This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. I'm Fatima Zaidi, the founder and CEO of Quill. We are an award-winning branded podcast agency, and our company also owns Co-Host, which is a podcast hosting audience growth and analytics tool for brands and agencies. We are sponsoring the growth track here at Podcast Movement, and uh, really excited to kick off the first session for today. Uh, it's all about how to boost your podcast discoverability, which is a key puzzle piece in the growth process. And for this panel, we've put together some of our favorite speakers from the industry. Uh, you'll be hearing from James Cridland. Doesn't really need an introduction, but the editor of Pod News. We have Ray Chow, the um, general manager of Vox Media. James Carberry, another James, uh, the founder and CEO of Sweetfish Media. And the session will be moderated by Courtney Kozak. Did I get that right? Amazing. Um, and she is a podcaster, comedian, writer, and the host of the podcast Bestie Newsletter. Uh, I wanted to say a quick thank you to our prizing sponsor for today's session. It's the self-serving advertising platform AudioGo. Today, um, at random, at the end of the session, based on your seat number, we're going to pick a winner who will get $500 credit uh, for AudioGo to promote your podcast discoverability on their platform. Uh, so I think we can get started. I'm really excited about today's session and hearing from all of these speakers. Uh, let's welcome our panelists on the stage. And Courtney, I will hand it over to you. Thank you. Okay. Hey, guys. I am Courtney Kosak. Like she said, I'm an indie podcaster, and I have a newsletter called Podcast Bestie. And I think about this discoverability stuff a lot. So this is right up my alley. So let's kick off with, like, probably the biggest overarching question, which is that there's a lot of big fish in this sea, <laughs> and they're getting bigger and bigger all the time, so how can smaller players still get their names out there and get discovered in the podcast space? So, so I think a massive opportunity uh, for, for smaller podcasters that don't have the luxury of being in one of these massive networks is to really focus on going more niche and more focused with the topic that you cover. Um, you're not gonna beat ESPN at Sports Talk Radio, but can you beat ESPN at covering the minor league baseball team in your town? Probably. And so I think just getting more specific and granular, and it doesn't mean that you have to camp there with that positioning for the entirety of your podcast journey, but I think it's a great way to get traction and to, to stand out from a lot of the the bigger networks. Okay, great. Ray? Yeah, my, my advice is um, applies whether you're a small indie podcaster or you're part of a big network or platform. Um, and it's something that we talk a lot about with our teams, which is really to focus on first principles and focus on quality. Like, at the end of the day, if you think about what a podcast is, you're asking someone to, you know, in their crowded media diet and in their busy lives to devote an hour, every day, every week, every month, whatever it is, to listen to your show. And why are they gonna go do that if the show is something else that they might be getting in their media diet or 
if it's um, just not that good. They're not gonna talk to their friends about it. They're not gonna tune in week in, week out. And so what we think a lot about is, let's focus on making the best, highest quality show. It's gotta be differentiated. And, and to me, and, and just from my vantage point, it doesn't necessarily have to be niche. Niche is one way to stand out, which is to be differentiated and to provide something different. But there's a lot of really broad categories out there, sports, pop culture, news, that have incredible and, and large audience demand for those topics. And if you make a show that is really great, people are gonna tune in. Just uh, to follow up, when you say first principles, what exactly do you mean by that? I just mean like, to, to me there's a lot of talk about, okay, what's the best marketing tactic? Should we tweet, should we not tweet? Should we start a, uh, an Instagram for our show, should we not? And to me those are, those are like second order things that you know, should come after you've figured out what your show is, why people should be listening to it every week, um, and, and that's where we try to spend the bulk of our energy. Like 75, 80, 85% of the, our time should be focused on, let's make a really great differentiated show that we're proud of, that our listeners are gonna go out and talk to their friends about, hey, I discovered this really awesome new show, you should check it out and devote an hour to trying it out. Cool, James? Yeah, I think Ray is absolutely right. I think, you know, there's the overarching thing of just being clear about what your show is. Be clear about your proposition. Uh, understand, I get a, a lot of press releases, as you would expect, from people <laughs> with podcasts. And what's really surprising is how many of these press releases. I got one for tomorrow's pod news, and it's, you know, big uh, TikTok star, if that's a thing, big TikTok star, who is talking to her friends about life. Oh, good. Why, <laughs> why on earth would anyone listen to that? So it's kind of, you know, so making sure that you're, you understand what your podcast is there for and make sure that it's really super clear in the press releases that you send out. And by the way, sending out a press release is a really, it, it, it's, it's surprising how few um, uh, press releases I'm getting from people that aren't the big majors. You know, Spotify has, I think, over 100 people um, working for them in terms of PR. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't send a press release into a pod news or into many of the other, you know, podcast besties, other, other newsletters are available. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't. I, I, I think that's really good. The other thing is just um, focusing on getting your name right. Uh, a little tip, don't use the word podcast. 705,000 shows have the word podcast in. We know it's a podcast, it's in Apple Podcasts. <laughs> well, you don't need to call it the such and such podcast. And if you've ever tried searching for a show in Spotify, uh, you will know that actually if you try searching for a show with the word podcast in it, then it's almost impossible to find. Because guess what? Another 705 shows are using that uh, uh, thing. So. That's really important. And also, you know, not just promoting Apple Podcasts, making sure that you are everywhere. And a good podcast host like co-host or others will help you get into all of those directories, not just Apple and Spotify, but all of the other ones as well. Um, James has a guide for how to send a press release, right, on your site. Um, and when do you want press releases? Like, is it just for new shows or a new season, what's press release worthy? 
I mean, I, um, I have three kind of categories. One is a new, brand new show, uh, one is a new season, and one is something which is newsworthy. Um, so it might be your 100th episode. Um, you might be doing this particular episode from the Sahara Desert uh, or mm -hmm. underwater or naked or something, you know? Um, just sort of something that makes it into a news story, um, you know, is important. And a picture is, you know, every single website out there, I don't know if you've noticed, but they all have pictures. Um, and so sending something which isn't just your podcast cover-up, but is something which... Uh, is engaging, has a human being in it. Uh, that sort of thing is is always really, really helpful, yeah. And you made a really good point when you guested on my newsletter and you said, you know, to piggyback on the title thing, like if you're not putting your topic in your title in some way, it's going to be way harder for people to find you. Okay, so this is kind of similar, but there are 2.5 million podcasts. We talked about kind of some of the creative ways to stand out and differentiate yourself. How can you do that more on the like marketing side? So the 2.5 million number we hear a lot, I've, I've heard 2.5 million, I've heard 4 million. There's a lot of podcasts, but I, I think when you think about it through the lens of, the, there's 51 million YouTube channels and there's over 600 million blogs. So it's actually way easier to stand out in podcasting than it is a lot of other channels. So that's, that's just one, I, I think, just be thinking about that. But it, that doesn't change the reality that podcast discoverability is really hard still. And there are other channels where discoverability is easier. So I think, you, um, I, I think you've got to figure out how to, you need a great show. But you've all, for, for me and for, for our company and for our clients, we've also had to figure out how to get good at these other channels that are, that are a little bit easier from a discoverability standpoint. I've seen people really win with SEO and figuring out how can you, how can you create written content that ranks on Google whenever someone searches topics surrounding your show and then they find the blog article and then subsequently find, find your show. Uh, we've won big on LinkedIn and just like organic uh, the, the organic reach that you can get by creating content about your show on LinkedIn is another way uh, way to go there. I completely agree with Ray that you have to spend an inordinate amount of time on the front end, just making sure that your show has is has a that somebody listening to the show is going to want to tell a friend about it. And there's not enough time spent in show development, thinking about what the hook is. One of the things that our team likes to do is we just like, we look at shows that are massive and we dissect like, what's the episode format? What segments do they have as a part of their show that maybe we could riff off or, or do something similar, but a little bit different for our space. So I think being really thoughtful about show development, what, what's gonna be the hook that makes somebody wanna tell their friend about this show, but then the getting good at another marketing channel outside of podcasting, whether it's SEO, YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, there's all these, and I'm sure this conference, there's a lot of folks that can tell you more, uh, you know, give you a deeper dive on how to master those, but I, but I think the reality is you gotta get good at at least one of those uh, because uh, podcast discoverability is, is as we all know, really, really tough. Yeah, I agree with all those things. The, the one thing I'll add is we spend a lot of time thinking about who 
is that person who's going to tune in and be excited about the show? Who's the person who's going to be searching on Google and is going to stumble upon the article that you've written about it? And, and, and how do we reach that person, right? Because once you've thought about what your target audience, what, what, what are the other shows that they're listening to? What, what, what else is in their media diet? What kinds of messages are going to really resonate with them? Then you can come up with the right tactics to, to figure out how to reach them. You know, like we're, we're going through this right now, but you know, we, we launched a, a pop culture show with Sam Sanders um, in July, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of shows within our portfolio that we could leverage to promote that show, but rather than just like spray and pray and like put as many impressions out there as possible, we spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, who is the person who's gonna be a fan of this show, of Vulture, of Sam Sanders, and is going to really want to listen to this week in, week out. Let's pick out and target a few of those shows and do really deep marketing collaborations with them. Let's integrate the show into Vulture's website and social channels, to, to your point, James, about you know um, other ways to reach people and, and leverage Google and sort of the search traffic there. But again, to us, that that guiding question, once you have that good show, is who is that person and, and how, do you, how are you going to reach them? James? Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I think you, starting with the very basics of what is the description of your podcast? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm always surprised by many people who will spend a long time launching a new show and then in the description field in their podcast host, they write, you know, a sentence. Uh, you know, the meanderings of a guy in mind is Joe Rogan's description. I mean, it, ma it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, so actually using, much like Joe Rogan, so actually using, uh, you know, get a nice good paragraph in there. Most of the podcast apps will search through the description as well as your title and as well as your episode title. So make sure that you have a good piece of information in there about what your show is about, why you should listen, you know, and all of that. So doing that, there's, um, there's a whole uh, article on the Pod News website about who indexes what. Um, and again, I'm, I'm really surprised that some people have titles which are titles for an episode, which is episode 44. Mm -hmm. How is that going to help, you know, at all, you know? So, uh, yeah, so getting that, getting that kind of stuff right is, you know, it's just the very basics is really important too. So I've noticed on Tim Ferriss's descriptions that they're like three sentences long sometimes, or not descriptions, titles. Yeah. That'll, they'll be like every major topic on the show. And I think that's to tap into what you're talking about. Um, so James, to follow up, um, how can listening platforms improve the ways that they showcase podcasts to improve discoverability and create like a win-win-win for everyone involved? Yeah, I, I, I thought that this was a great question and I, I have been thinking about it. I mean, I think firstly, the good listening platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts being one of those, has an editorial team that choose the shows that they want to promote uh, that spend some time doing it. They, they do a really good job. So listening platforms can really help by you know, holding people's hands into a new and unfamiliar show that they do. Using, you know, making search better. Um, Apple does not search the descriptions, for example, of a podcast episode. So they'll search the descriptions of the show, but 
put whatever you like in the podcast episode and Apple will never search that. I think it could be a better search okay. if that was in there. And it could be a better search on some of these platforms if they were using transcripts. Um, we're seeing more podcast companies. Blueberry has just launched free transcripts for a limited time for your show. Um, so that that can be searched by the podcast platforms. That's really helpful. Spotify and Apple are already doing um, transcripts of some of the large shows. So I think that's, you know, that would be really good if more podcast platforms ended up doing that. The thing that I'm most surprised by, and I think Evo Terra was saying this in a recent podcast pontifications, is that trailers are not being used enough by the podcast platforms. So firstly, have a trailer for your show, because that's kind of important. But then secondly, really, the podcast platform should know uh, you've reached the end of a show. There isn't a new show, of, uh, there isn't another episode of that show to have a listen to. What a podcast platform will do is it will stop playing something. That's not what Netflix does. No. That's not what broadcast television does. Broadcast television gives you a trailer for something else you might like. Mm -hmm. Well, why isn't a podcast app doing that as well? Of, of, you know, now you've listened to this particular show, you might like, you know, this particular show. So I think trailers could be used so much more by the industry. Um, and I, I'm, I'm always surprised, again, how many new podcasts launch without a trailer telling you it, succinctly in two minutes why you should listen to this particular show and what's in that particular show. Thank you for the plug, James. Uh, it's a great pleasure. <laughs> um. I love that you're so right about Netflix just serves you the next thing that yeah. you should listen to or watch. Um, okay, so... That's a beer um, you owe me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> actually, a quick question. Who's doing of listening platforms? Like, who's doing a great job, in your opinion? Oh, I mean, I think, you know, firstly, I mean, obviously Apple is doing a really good job in terms of, um, in terms of some of the localities that it's in. Um, so uh, certainly when you look, uh, I mean, the Apple Podcasts Twitter is really Apple Podcasts US. There's nothing in there. I live in Australia, as you can tell from my very British accent. Um, <laughs> But, the, you, you know, the Apple Podcasts Twitter is just full of American shows, and that's fine, but, you know, occasionally we like other things as well. Okay. So there are some platforms, Pocket Casts being a good example, that is doing much more b b bespoke stuff to individual uh, countries. Um, but, you know, the, there's lots of different platforms are doing different things in this, in this area. Fountain, which I'm using, which is not the easiest podcast app to use, but that, for example, is showing uh, clips of shows um, that their users have, you know, um, clipped up and made, uh, made available. That may or may not be where the future of podcast di discovery is, but that might certainly help in terms of people finding a new show. So I think, you know, there are lots of different ideas out there. Interesting. Um, for this, James, um, awareness is a primary goal for many brands who use podcasting as a marketing tool. How do you ensure that your clients are getting discovered by their target audience? Yeah, so I think to kind of piggyback on what, what these two guys have been saying the whole time, first and foremost, you've got to make sure the show is actually good. So you can do all the marketing tactics in the world, and if the show sucks, nobody's going to want to listen to it. Mm -hmm. um, 
but there, there are a lot of things that we've been exploring. One, one uh, service that we found recently, it's, it's programmatic advertising. It's through a, a group called Mopod. I think it's M-O-W-P-O-D. And they've got a they've got a new service where uh, you know they're based on the targeting of who your audience is. Um, it's I think I believe it's banner ads ac across the internet, whether somebody's reading a blog post about you know parenting or whatever, um, and it uh, it it taps into uh, the targeting that you give it, and then it sends folks to. Um, uh, it sends folks to a specific page that they kind of build for a, a specific episode. And essentially, you're paying, you can either pay, I, don't quote me on the pricing, but I think it's like $5 per follower on Apple Podcasts. So not a subscriber, because that's now paid, but a follower um, on Apple Podcasts. And I think it's a dollar per download. So you can, you can choose whether you want to pay per download or pay per follower. Um, we've just started to experiment with that. So we're pretty early, but that, uh, it, it it helps a lot. I was just talking to the guys yesterday with getting your show uh, climbing charts. So I know that a lot of marketers care a lot about being able to say we're the top 10 show on, on a particular chart. It helps with visibility too, because people find shows by looking at top charts. So the, the Mopod service is really interesting. Um, Another, another one that's interesting uh, to me that I just recently heard about, going, like searching, Googling, like top podcasts about whatever the category of your show is. And so for us, you know, top podcasts about B2B marketing. And we would just g find the articles that rank for those, and they're usually just listicles that are like, here are the 27 podcasts about B2B marketing that you should know. And going to those blog writers and seeing if we can figure out how to, like, hey, how can we get our show on, on this list? And so um, maybe it's promoting them in, in a particular episode, promoting their blog. Like, there's creative ways that you can go about doing that to show up where people are actually searching for your show. The other one, uh, James Cridlin mentioned this earlier, but one of the things that helped our show, B2B Growth, tremendously is, is how we named the show. So it's B2B Growth colon, your daily B2B marketing podcast. And so now in Google, we rank for B2B marketing podcasts, uh, and it comes up in the, in the carousel that Google shows. Um, but then we're also, we also ranked in podcast players because when people searched B2B, our show popped up. Now that's, as more and more podcasts enter the ecosystem, obviously that gets tougher. But show naming, like James mentioned earlier, I think is a really uh, tangible kind of low-hanging fruit, um, whether it's either the actual name of the show or the tagline after the show. You've got to be careful if you're just keyword stuffing, Apple knows that and they'll, they'll take your show off. But if you can write the keyword in a thoughtful tagline, it's, it's been really effective for us. Nice. Um, Ray, working on podcasts with a larger listener base, have you found cross-pollination to be an effective tactic for growing Vox Media's shows? And if yes, how can podcasters who aren't a part of larger networks take advantage of this form of marketing? Yeah, it's a great question. Short answer is yes, and I'll explain. There's sort of two things we're doing on the cross-pollination front. Um, outside of what's obvious, which is running cross-promos and, and the kind of audio advertising across your network. Um, the first thing is these organic editorial collaborations. So, you know, um, there's some obvious ones. If there's a business show here and a business show there, uh, maybe you interview each other or you do some sort of episode collaboration that's, that's an organic um, editorial and creative product. 
Um, but you know, you work together on a show and, and that helps one, listeners of one show discover another. The thing that we've been trying to do more of recently is do more unexpected editorial collaborations. So I'll give you two examples. One is we have a business podcast called Decoder. Um, the editor-in-chief, Nilay Patel, interviews CEOs and, and sort of business leaders in the community and every episode is about a different topic or company. And then we have a podcast from Vulture called Switched on Pop, which is a music criticism podcast. And they did a collaboration episode about the business of pop music, how music licensing works, how the labels um, work, how artists and, and songwriters make their money. It was an incredible episode. We didn't force that to happen. They, they got to know each other, they're friends, they were both really interested in this topic and they said, let's make an episode together. Now, if you were to look at a Venn diagram of that, those two podcasts and the listener base, the demos and the sort of audience profiles are pretty similar, but the, the, there's not a lot of overlap just because they're totally different topics. And so that was a really fun editorial collaboration as well as successful sort of marketing tactic. Um, another collaboration we did was we have a food podcast called Gastropod and a history podcast called Now and Then. Um, and they did an, a cross, like a, a collaboration episode on the history of Halloween candy and, and Halloween. And again, that came about organically and both shows really wanted to do it absent the marketing value, but that delivered um, a lot of marketing value for us. So, so that's one category that I would encourage everyone to sort of explore and, and figure out what shows match you know, what you're trying to do um, that, you could, that you could work with. The second um, thing that we've been doing is these uh, leveraging non-audio platforms. So the benefit of being at a place like Vox Media is we have a huge digital audience on web and video and social and there's, you know, there's a lot of ways you can just sort of tick the boxes of, of, you know, yes, we tweeted about it or we ran a display ad or we talked about it in a video, but we've been spending a lot of time and energy thinking about how do we use those platforms to build awareness and create a moment for the show um, that's not gonna translate to a download immediately. Like the, the way, most people aren't reading an article on the web, seeing a banner ad, clicking on the banner ad, and then immediately starting to listen to the episode. But if we can surround certain websites, certain social handles, certain um, places that people find themselves and really raise awareness for a show, that can translate in the medium and long term to a bigger audience and you know, greater discoverability. So like when they did those one episode collaborations, did that live on one feed or both feeds? Both. Okay. And so both listeners are exposed to that host and that audience. And of course, the, you know, most people are not going to go over and listen to that other show and subscribe and follow and become loyal listeners, but a number of them will. And I think it, it is still ultimately a really exciting editorial mm -hmm. thing that the show and the hosts were, were, were um, proud of, right? It wasn't just for the marketing value, it's actually creating something that um, is valuable within their feed. And so we put each episode in both of those feeds um, and you know, let those listeners find the other show and get to know the other show. So on that, <clears throat> excuse me. On that note, let's talk about those collaborations that you guys have mentioned a little bit. Um, and how, I, I don't know if you have a successful example as well, but 
some of like the better versions of that or other versions of that? Because I think that's really accessible to indie podcasters as well. So I would encourage, um, you know, if you're, if you're, you have a podcast, there's all sorts of podcasts out there that you love and respect and to build a relationship with those other podcasts organically because you respect what they do, not because you really want their listeners to come to your podcast, but you respect what they do and you um, can talk to one another on a creative level and come up with an idea that you're both really excited about. That's, and it takes time, right? It's not, and, and, and I would say that listeners, I, think, I like to think that listeners can see through the kind of cheaper tactics that are just, you know, where you might be doing something just for the marketing value, but listeners do respect and can value and can hear when there's something that's really high quality that people are really proud of. And so go out there, make a list of all the podcasts that you think might have an audience that would be interested in your show. It doesn't have to be the same content category. It doesn't have to be the same size. Um, and try to build a relationship with those people and create, the, try to get those collaborations to come about organically. And like when you did the, you know, reaching out to the journalists and, and trying to make it a win-win, like how do you approach that conversation? So I, I mean, so I wrote a book a few years ago called Content-Based Networking. And essentially the, the it's using content collaborations as a way to build your network. And so very similar to what, what Ray's saying, I think if you can go to these folks and, and especially with a creative idea for like, hey, I was thinking about this, uh, this collaboration that we could do, if you have your own media, whether it's a podcast, blog, whatever, um, if, if you've got a channel where you're like, hey, I would love for you to be a guest on my thing, like come be a guest on my show, I've got this really interesting angle that I'd love to explore with you, that's a great way. I mean, going through the process of the pre-planning for the episode and then the recording of the episode and the promotion of it, you end up becoming friends with these people that you're doing these collaborations with. And so uh, to do more with them, it, obviously if, if, if you don't botch the relationship and the actual collaboration, <laughs> uh, then they're, they're likely gonna want to do more with you. Okay, cool. Okay, so what are the, we've been through some of these, but critical marketing tactics that are being ignored by content creators? I mean, I, I, one of the things that I covered um, a month or so ago uh, is podcast advertising in real life. Um, you know, posters, oh, uh, uh, you know, postcards, all that kind of stuff. And I found that really interesting of people sending me the examples that they had given. I think Ashley Carmen sent me a fantastic photograph that she had taken of some plane in the sky promoting a, po promoting a podcast. Um, but, you know, so promoting outside of podcasts is actually a really interesting way of gaining new audiences. Um, say it's a podcast because people don't know. Um, so, you know, help them in. But actually, that's a great way of growing the entire medium mm -hmm. and growing that particular show. It always surprises me how few podcasts advertise on public transport because... But surely that's a great place to advertise a podcast on a train or on a bus where that's exactly where a podcast is a good, is a good place. Using QR codes as well is something mm -hmm. that um, we all understand now because there's been a pandemic. I don't know if anybody's... I've, I, I don't know if you had that in America, uh, but there's been some form of pandemic <laughs> in Texas. the last two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, 
So actually, people, people understand now how to use QR codes. Um, and if you go delving into your podcast movement bag of, um, bag of crap that you haven't thrown out yet, um, you will find... <laughs> you'll find in there a postcard from the Pod News podcast, and you can scan one of those uh, QR codes, and it will play the latest show for you on the, on the podcast app that you happen to have on your phone. Um, and it, it, again, it surprises me that there are quite a lot of podcasts out there who aren't promoting by using that. The most important thing is to just get people having a listen to your show. So using QR codes, smart QR codes like that, you know, is a really, is a really helpful thing. Um, so yeah, you know. Great. I think the thing that I think people um, don't spend enough time talking about is what happens after launch. Like I, I, yeah. when we're, we're, you know, we have a lot of podcasts, we launch new podcasts, we spend a lot of energy show piloting, making a good show, thinking about the launch, planning, sending James a press release, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like three months, six months, three years, six years down the line, you've built, let's say you've built a lo loyal audience, you know, you are feeling good about the show. What are you doing on an ongoing basis to continue to market the show? Um, the thing that I think a lot about is, you know, and we see the numbers in the Edison charts, Every year, there are millions and millions of new podcast listeners. They're starting to tune in to podcasts on their phone or in their car, on their commute, et cetera, et cetera. Those are new potential listeners to your podcast. So if you're not out there marketing your show on an ongoing basis, those people are going to tune into the other shows that they're um, seeing promoted and, and, and they're hearing about. And so let's say you're, you know, we have, we've, we have podcasts in our portfolio that are 10 years old. And what can we do to create a moment for that show that's relevant, that's fresh, that's differentiated, that makes someone who's a new podcast listener or an experienced podcast listener stop and think, hey, I actually might want to check that show out. Um, that's what I think we should all be spending a little bit more time thinking about. Bray, when you think about that for your older you know, decade, <clears throat> decades old show like how are you making it fresh for a new season how are you making a moment do you have an example or i mean i think a lot of it comes down to the the content and the creative execution of the show um but but let's take um you know uh, i'll pick on the verge cast one of our it's a tech weekly tech news podcast um, that's been around for more than 10 years there are all sorts of really important tech moments every year that are happening. And just because the show is old doesn't mean that the content that is in the show is stale. In fact, it's incredibly relevant and it's incredibly fresh. And what we want to do is try to package up those moments and those, that content into ways that make people really interested in tuning in. So whether it's the Apple event, or whether it's Elon Musk is trying to buy Twitter, or whether there's, um, you know, uh, for example, we did a, an episode a few weeks ago where, um, and this is not as big of a moment, but we did an episode a few weeks ago about um, wireless headphones and sort of the quality of the wireless headphones from an audio perspective and a microphone perspective and what you sound like on a phone call when you're wearing AirPods versus Samsung, whatever Samsung's thing is called. Like, and, and that's a really fresh and relevant thing for people 
even though the show is 10 years old, the content is, 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 um, is important. And so what can we do on an ongoing basis to market that, to promote that, to talk about it, and to get new listeners to want to listen to The Vergecast? Cool. James? So, uh, so context, all of the shows that we produce are for B2B brands. So um, this, this particular advice, I think, is especially relevant if, if you're in the business space, you're trying to reach business leaders with your content. But you know, one, of the, one of the organizations that we have really taken a liking to is this organization called Income School. And they teach this SEO methodology that says, hey, you can use all these SEO tools to tell you what people are searching on Google. Uh, but nothing is better than actually just using Google itself. And so they teach this method methodology of using Google auto-suggest to find topics that people are that are looking for, in, back to my example earlier, B2B marketing. Put in B2B marketing into Google, and then the letter, sp or then the space bar, and then the letter A, and see what pops up. You'll see like B2B marketing analytics, B2B marketing assessment, B2B marketing, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. So they call this thing Google Alphabet Soup. And so you just run down the alphabet of the topics that are related to your show. Um, so B2B marketing, account-based marketing, sales enablement, all of, the, all of the topics that would be relevant for us. And one, it, it gives you a great it gives you a great uh, jumping off point to, to know what topics do I need to create because my audience is clearly searching for these topics on Google. And then use the, the podcast interview at, to fill in the blanks of the actual article and start ranking on Google where we know we, we can show up where people are actively searching. And so that's something that I, I you know, uh, I, I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, promoting your show on other shows, and I think that's phenomenal, and I think we should be doing more and more of that. But I don't hear as many people talking about SEO um, because every every one of us has probably Googled something already today, and so figuring out whether it's using incomes the income school methodology or figuring out like how can you show up where people are searching, uh, I think is a really smart way to get exposure for your show. That's a great tip. Um, I think. Do we have time for any questions or no? Okay, thank you guys so much. This has been, and thank you. This has been so interesting. Thank you. Thank you.